European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 39, Issue 7, Focus Issue on The Atlas Study, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Epidemiology of Cardiovascular Disease, The New ESC Atlas and Beyond. The prevalence and incidence of cardiovascular disease is known to vary among different countries, most likely depending on income, culture, and healthcare systems, but precise data have been lacking so far. The novel European Society of Cardiology Cardiovascular Disease Statistics 2017 by the Atlas Writing Group compiled cardiovascular disease statistics of the 56 ESC member countries and compared high-income and middle-income ESC member states. Important differences were identified between high-income and middle-income ESC member countries with regard to cardiovascular disease risk factors, disease incidence, and mortality. For instance, the prevalence of hypertension was lower in high-income than middle-income countries, as was smoking. These inequalities are likely to have contributed to the higher cardiovascular mortality in middle-income countries. Declines in cardiovascular disease mortality have seen cancer becoming a more common cause of death in a number of high-income member countries, but in middle-income countries, declines in cardiovascular disease mortality have been less consistent. The downward cardiovascular mortality trends may be threatened by the emerging obesity epidemic. Rates of cardiac catheterization, coronary artery bypass surgery, and the amount of specialist centers were greatest in high-income countries, and this was associated with the most pronounced declines in coronary mortality. Unless countermeasures are launched, the availability of such data will underpin the ESC's mission to reduce the burden of cardiovascular disease. Thyroid dysfunction has been implicated as a risk factor in patients with cardiovascular disease, but is under-recognized by cardiologists. Therefore, the clinical review, Subclinical Thyroid Dysfunction and Cardiovascular Disease 2017 update, by Nicholas Rodondi and colleagues from the University Hospital in Bern, Switzerland, is timely. The authors remind us that up to 10% of the elderly have such a condition, usually without noticing. However, subclinical hyperthyroidism is associated with increased coronary mortality and increased risk of stroke and heart failure. Subclinical hypothyroidism also affects carotid intermedia thickness, diastolic function, peripheral vascular resistance, endothelial function, and lipid profiles, and is associated with an increased risk of atrial fibrillation. Unfortunately, in the absence of large randomized trials, the thyroid-stimulating hormone threshold for initiating treatment is unclear, but the best evidence suggests therapy should be started at TSH greater than or equal to 10 milli-international units per litre, and subclinical hyperthyroidism therapy at TSH below 0.1 milli-international units per litre. It is suggested that thyroid function should be checked in those over 60 years of age and or with coronary artery disease or heart failure.
Mental disorders such as depression and anxiety are frequent comorbid conditions in individuals with coronary disease, heart failure, and congenital heart disease, but their effect on preterm exit from the labour market, i.e., disability pension, in such individuals has not been scrutinised. In their article, Synergistic Effects Between Ischemic Heart Disease and Common Mental Disorders and the Risk of Premature Exit from the Labour Market, a nationwide register-based study from Sweden, Thomas Ernst Dorner and colleagues from the Medical University in Vienna, Austria, investigated the separate and joint effect of ischemic heart disease and such mental disorders on the risk of disability pension for 4,823,069 women and men of working age. In fully adjusted models, hazard ratios for disability pension were 2.84 and 2.83 in women and men with ischemic heart disease respectively, and 5.13 and 6.08 for common mental disorders. Of note, these crude hazard ratios rose to 18.38 and 25.58 in those with both conditions. There was a synergistic effect between ischemic heart disease and mental disorders in the crude models, which disappeared in women after adjusting for socio-demographic variables and in men after additionally adjusting for comorbid somatic disorders. Thus, Comorbid mental disorders worsen the prognosis of ischemic heart disease in terms of early exit from the labour market. Infective endocarditis is a severe condition in patients with structural heart disease or artificial heart valves. Although diagnosis has been improved thanks to nuclear techniques, risk assessment and prevention seems the most promising strategy. There are scant comparative data on the risk of infective endocarditis and its mortality in individuals with predisposing cardiac conditions. Martin Thornhill and colleagues from the University of Sheffield in the UK examined this issue in their manuscript Quantifying Infective Endocarditis Risk in Patients with Predisposing Cardiac Conditions. Infective endocarditis incidence in the English population was 36.2 per million per year. In comparison, those with a history of infective endocarditis had the highest risk of recurrence, or dying, during an infective endocarditis admission, with odds ratios of 266 and 215, respectively. Those risks were also high in patients with prosthetic valves, with odds ratios of 70 and 62, and previous valve repair with odds ratios of 77 and 60, respectively. Patients with congenital valve anomalies, currently considered moderate risk, had similar risks, i.e. 66 and 57, respectively. Surprisingly, congenital heart conditions repaired with prosthetic material, currently considered high risk for six months following surgery, had lower risk than all moderate risk conditions. The risk was also significant in those with implantable devices. Thus, based on these findings, current guidelines for the risk stratification of conditions predisposing to infective endocarditis may require re-evaluation 
an issue that is further discussed in an editorial by Patrick T. O'Gara and Yi Ping Sun from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. In a further manuscript entitled Incidents of Infective Endocarditis Among Patients Considered at High Risk, Lauger Clement Moltke Ostergaard and colleagues from the University of Copenhagen in Denmark remind us that patients with prior infective endocarditis, a prosthetic heart valve, or a cyanotic congenital heart disease are considered to be at high risk by current guidelines. Of 25,945 patients, 5,096 had prior infective endocarditis. 19,478 had a prosthetic heart valve, and 1,371 complex congenital heart disease. Their risk of infective endocarditis at 10 years was 8.8%, 6.0%, and 1.3%, respectively. Patients with prior infective endocarditis had a prosthetic valve and had a significantly increased associated risk compared to controls with a hazard ratio of 65.4 and 19.1 respectively. Thus, all infective endocarditis high-risk groups carried a higher risk of infective endocarditis than matched controls. These results justify the European and American guidelines in considering these groups at high risk of infective endocarditis. People with exaggerated exercise blood pressure have adverse cardiovascular outcomes, possibly due to impaired neural baroreflex sensitivity and or large artery stiffness. In their paper, Impaired Baroreflex Sensitivity, Carotid Stiffness and Exaggerated Exercise Blood Pressure, a community-based analysis from the Paris Prospective Study 3, James E. Sharman and colleagues from the University of Tasmania in Hobart, Australia, addressed this issue among 8,976 adults. Participants with exaggerated exercise blood pressure, i.e. greater than or equal to 150 millimeters of mercury systolic, had significantly lower baroreflex sensitivity, but higher stiffness compared to those with non-exaggerated exercise blood pressure. However, only lower baroreflex sensitivity was associated with exaggerated exercise blood pressure among those without hypertension at rest. Thus, impaired baroreflex sensitivity, but not carotid stiffness, is independently associated with exaggerated exercise blood pressure even among those with well-controlled resting blood pressure. This indicates a potential pathway from depressed neural baroreflex function to abnormal exercise blood pressure and clinical outcomes. The implications of these findings are put into perspective in an editorial by Bernard R. Chaitman from the St. Louis University in St. Louis, Missouri, USA. Hypertriglyceridemia is an uncertain cardiovascular risk factor as it is often associated with reverse levels of HDL cholesterol. In an additional clinical research manuscript entitled 
unmet need for primary prevention in individuals with hypertriglyceridemia not eligible for statin therapy according to ESC-EAS guidelines, a contemporary population-based study, Borger Groner Nordeskard and colleagues from the Herlev University Hospital in Denmark aimed to identify individuals at high risk of atherosclerotic disease who are not definite statin eligible according to the 2016 European Society of Cardiology slash European Atherosclerosis Society guidelines based on high concentrations of triglycerides in 58,547 individuals aged 40 to 65 free of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, diabetes and statin use at baseline. Of these, 14% were statin eligible, 7% were not eligible, and had triglycerides greater than or equal to 3.0 millimoles per litre, and 79% were not statin eligible and had triglycerides less than 3.0 millimoles per litre. During follow-up, 1,770 individuals had a major adverse cardiovascular event, or MACE, and 734 experienced a myocardial infarction. The cumulative incidences of MACE at age 70 were 8.1% and 14.6% in statin non-eligible individuals with triglycerides less than 3.0 millimoles per litre and greater than or equal 3.0 millimoles per litre, and 16.5% in statin-eligible individuals. Corresponding cumulative incidences of infarction were 3.0%, 7.8%, and 7.1% respectively. The estimated 10-year risks of MACE were 2.8% and 5.7% in statin non-eligible individuals with triglycerides less than 3.0 millimoles per litre and greater than or equal 3.0 millimoles per litre, and 7.6% in statin-eligible individuals. The median age of these three groups was 51, 51, and 60 years, respectively. Corresponding risks of infarction were 1.0, 3.0, and 3.3%, respectively. Thus, statin non-eligible individuals with triglycerides greater than or equal 3.0 millimoles per litre had atherosclerotic risk similar to statin-eligible individuals defined according to current guidelines. This illustrates an unmet need for primary prevention, calling for expansion of guidelines on statin eligibility and for randomized clinical trials in individuals with hypertriglyceridemia. These conclusions are further discussed in an editorial by Michael Davidson from the Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, Illinois, USA. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.